The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome once again, Employment Law Show here to fill your mind with wonderful employment law knowledge. So you make sure you catch every bit of it. By the way, you want to reach out when we're not doing the show to Lior, a member of the team. Simple, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And a free website for you anytime, all the time is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. Want to get into our topic of understanding the duty to accommodate. If we got some uh, some time later on, we'll get into deadlines for signing back seven offers and possibly a few emails as well so let's just uh let's get rolling on it pal week that was what do you got going on a couple things i know yeah a lot of things and i always have to kind of narrow it down for for the show but it's really been a busy time continues to be a busy time at my office speaking with a lot of people about workplace rights employment law issues answering a lot of questions and hopefully helping uh people feel a bit better knowing what their rights are and what they can do if they're facing a workplace problem so if you haven't uh, catched, uh, caught our show before and if this is the first time you're listening, what we're here to do is talk about workplace rights and hopefully help you uh, understand that the issues that you're facing have solutions. They have answers. There's things you can do about it, whether you're staring at a severance package, whether you've uh, been constructively dismissed, your job has changed. Maybe you're on a layoff and you don't know what that means. Any and all those things we always talk about on the show or you want to reach out to me privately, you can always do that and we'll have that discussion. And, of course, my contact information, uh, we'll give it out throughout the show. But as John said, bringing it back, a uh, week that was, a couple situations that came across my desk uh, very recently. Uh, first one had to do with uh, working at home. Uh, obviously, a lot of people have been working at home recently uh, and, and since COVID started. Well, I had a, a discussion just earlier this week with a gentleman who had been uh, working at home uh, since uh, COVID started. And uh, as far as he was concerned, he was doing his job. There was no issues. There was no complaints. Uh, and he recently got a letter from his employer saying, well, we need you to come back to work. We, we, uh, you've been working at home for a while, but effective Monday, we need you back in the office. Now, this person had uh, some, some serious health issues. He was an older individual, had asthma, had in the past heart problems, and he was terrified and very concerned about going back to work. And he called me and he wanted to know what are his rights. Does he have to go back to work? And, and what happens if he doesn't? So generally, the rule is this. The overarching rule is if your employer meets the health guidelines in terms of social distancing, etc., and they tell you to come to work, you do have to come to work because that's the employer's prerogative. And if you don't come to work, you may be considered to have resigned. And that's not a good thing. If you resign, not only do you lose your job, you have be disqualified from getting any benefits like EI or CERB. So the general rule is, yeah, you have to go back to work. But this person, he had some health issues. So what I told them is this. If you speak to your doctor, and if your doctor feels that you should not be working, then that's okay. As long as you get a doctor's note, you can stay home, you cannot be punished, and you can continue working from home. So that's what he's going to do. He was extremely relieved. He said it's going to be very easy for him to get that doctor's note. And I wanted to mention this here because you may find yourself in that same situation. If there is an underlying medical condition that your doctor feels should prevent you from being physically at work, physically at the office, 
As long as your doctor gives you something in writing, that's all you need. Remember, you can't decide that. I can't decide that. The doctor has to decide that. If you have that, you're protected. If you don't have to have that, then yes, you do have to go back to work. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the number to reach out if you're confused anytime. By the way, and employmentlawyer.ca. You can catch past radio shows and uh, the way to find our TV show as well. So uh, have a look at that when you got some time. What else you got happening? I uh, I spoke with a, a lady who had uh, been in a very uh, unique uh, industry. Uh, her job, she tells me, is very rare, and there's very few uh, positions available for her uh, in, in her industry. And, you know, the industry was way, way too complicated for me to, in my simple mind, to understand exactly what it was. But she, she explained to me that it's a, it's a very unique type of role. There's only a few of them in, in Canada. And she recently, because of COVID, lost her job. She had been with this employer for two years, and she wanted to know what she's owed. She was offered four weeks' pay. And, and right off the bat, I said, four weeks is nonsense. Even in a normal situation, she'd probably be owed about four months' pay. Yeah. But here's the thing. Given that what she was telling me about her job and how unique it is and how difficult it's going to be for her to replace her job, she now is entitled to even more severance. And the reason for that is the more difficult it is to find a job, given your age or given the economy or the uniqueness of your role, the more difficult it is, the more severance you have to get. The reason for that is severance is entitled to carry you until you find another job. So if it's going to take you longer to find another job, more severance has to be paid. So bringing it back to this lady, after two years of employment, I actually assessed her as being owed about eight months' pay. And it could have been even a bit more than that. So I wanted to bring this up here to remind everyone why it's so, so, so important to get that advice before you sign off on your severance package. Can you imagine, John, if she had accepted her four weeks' pay when she's owed eight months' pay? You know, yeah. we're, we're talking for her a nearly six-figure loss that that would have represented. So you may be in very similar situations. In fact, most people are in similar situations where they're offered a lot less than what they're owed. So, you know, reason 2054, why it's so, so important to get that legal advice. If you're staring at that severance letter, you are likely owed much more. But if you sign it and then you call me, at that point, unfortunately, it's too late. You bet it is, and uh, we'll continue on here. By the way, you want to uh, reach out any time to Lior, you can sure do that, and that number is one 821 5900 You do that, and it'll put you in touch. The email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And a, a reminder again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's a ton of information to be had there. It's completely free. It's anonymous, but you want to contact Lior, a member of his team, there's a contact button at the top right that also includes the severance pay calculator on that website as well so understanding the duty to accommodate uh okay well let's uh let's understand it what is the duty to accommodate <laughs> well we, we want to spend uh, the next couple segments talking a bit about this duty to accommodate and, and the reason for that is the duty to accommodate is one of the most important and fundamental legal obligations that employer ha employers have uh, in Canada. Uh, it's, it goes back to human rights laws and it goes back to the fact that we value uh, employees that have needs. Uh, and, and even though th those needs may sometimes create some problems for an employer, an employer has to accommodate. So, you know, put simply, the duty to accommodate is the obligation that an employer has in some situations 
to help out an employee, to modify the job, to allow the employee to continue working despite their issues, despite their limitations. Uh, we often talk about that in the sense of, or in the context of people that are injured and need accommodation, but it's an important duty that's outlined in, in the Ontario Human Rights Code, and every province has its own human rights code, uh, and where employers often get into trouble is when they don't comply with it. When they tell employees, yeah, you know, that's your problem. We're not going to provide accommodation. That's illegal. So we want to talk a bit about that and, and help employees and employers understand how this duty to accommodate works. Well, I mean, the, the next logical question, I guess, would be who has the right to be accommodated, right? So uh, people that have a right are people that have rights under the Ontario Human Rights Code. Now, there, there's... There's a number of situations where you may have the, the right to be accommodated. Let me give you kind of the three main ones. Mm -hmm. So you have a right to be accommodated if you have a medical condition uh, that prevents you from doing your job the way you used to uh, do it. So that may mean that uh, maybe uh, you've been injured and you can't necessarily lift something then your employer has to accommodate the job to allow you to do work without lifting. Or maybe you can't stand for, for a certain number of hours. Uh, so the duty uh, to accommodate means your employer has to figure out a way to allow you to work despite the limitations. Maybe it's to allow you to work from home or to give you modified hours. So that's one aspect of the duty to accommodate. One example when it comes to people with medical conditions. Another common situation, especially these days with uh, COVID-19, is duty to accommodate based on family status. That means that if you have a child care obligation that needs to be accommodated, uh, your employer has to allow that to happen. So maybe you need to leave work early because of the fact that you have to pick up your child and you really are the only one that can pick up your child. Well, the employer has to allow that to happen, to change your workday to accommodate that. Maybe in some situations it means to allow you to stay home because you have to provide, uh, provide child care. So this is a very important duty duty to accommodate based on family status. The last one I'll touch on right now is a duty to accommodate based on religious reasons. So if you uh, practice a certain religion and maybe you have to, you, you can't work during the Sabbath, your employer has to allow that to happen. Or maybe you need to leave early on Friday to go to synagogue. Well, okay, the employer has to provide that accommodation because under the human rights uh, legislation, you can't be punished because of your religion. You can't be discriminated against based on your religion. So those are some uh, reasons and some ways where the duty to accommodate may come into force. When is an employee, I guess, not entitled to accommodation? So it always has to be tied to something in the human rights uh, legislation. Right. So you don't get accommodated if it's something that you want unless there's an actual need. You don't get accommodated uh, if it's, you know, because you feel like... Uh, you, you know, you want to sleep in, so you're asking your employer to accommodate your job to allow you to start later. No, it has to be tied to something in the human rights code, to your religion, to your age, uh, to your ethnicity, to your disability. So it has to be tied to that. If it's tied to that, and, and because of that, now you require some help from your employer, then yes, accommodation has to happen. If it's not tied to anything like that, if it's a preference, if it's a choice, at that point, the employer has no obligation to accommodate. You may still work out something with the employer, but there's right. no legal obligation on the employer to say, hey, I'm going to help you out. How far does an employee have to go then? Like, when can they say, okay, you know what, I'm willing to comply and move some things around, give you some wiggle room, but enough is enough? Well, that is the key here, because an employer has to accommodate even if it's not easy. An employer has to accommodate 
even if it's difficult, even if it costs money, it's to the point of what we call undue hardship. In other words, you have to accommodate even if it's not easy, even if it's costly, even if it is hard. Now, there's, of course, a point where it becomes too unreasonable and too difficult. Sure, an employer doesn't have to go quite that far. But I've seen many cases where the company says, you know what, this will be a bit of a pain in the butt to accommodate, so we're not yeah. going to do that. No, that's a human rights violation. Yeah, even if it is a bit difficult, you still have to do it. So if you're not being accommodated by your employer, probably likely that that's a human rights violation. You really want to reach out to me at that point. And reach out indeed. Here's the way to do so anytime. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And remember as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is another way for you to gain some information. And there's contact there as well. We'll continue with our uh, discussion about the duty to accommodate and move on to more things as well. And if we've got a few moments, we'll get to some emails. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue on Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Employment Law Show reaching out real, real simple. If you haven't got this number already, I'll give it to you again. one 855 215900 help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address we refer to on each and every show. We're talking about the duty to accommodate, and we talked about how far an employer has to go to the uh, to the point of undue hardship. Now, how can an employee know if an employer can provide the accommodation, but it's just saying, you know what, I can't, man, it's too hard, I can't do it, but they could, they really could. Yeah. Yeah, and that is a question that is asked often. An employer says, well, no, we, there's no a job for you. We can't accommodate. We really want to, but we can't. Well, how do we know if it's true or not? Well, sometimes it's difficult to know, but let me give you some thoughts. Certainly, if it's a situation where you've been accommodated before, uh, it's difficult for the company to say, well, now it's just we don't want to. Now we can't. If you've been accommodated before, the company is going to be it's assumed that they can do it and they can't simply say now we want to stop so that's one consideration another one is this think about the size and the resources of the company so a big company with a ton of resources and a lot of positions and uh you know different facilities is going to be it's going to be assumed that they have more the ability to accommodate there's more positions they could put you in they have more things they can change around it may be very difficult for the company to accommodate there's only so many roles so many positions so many things that can be moved around in order to accommodate so obviously the bigger the company the more resources they have the more options is available to the company the more difficult it's going to be for them to say no no accommodation is too much that said ask the question if yeah. the company says we can't accommodate, ask, what have you done to try? Where have you looked? Have you looked at this or this or that? Ask the questions. Give them suggestions. Don't just take their word for it. And if they don't provide you that information, if they're trying to avoid answering the question, likely it's a situation where they didn't try hard enough and they probably could accommodate you. And if you're not sure, if the company is not being helpful and you don't think something is right there, probably a good idea to give me a call so we can talk about it. And that way, if I need to, I can get involved on your behalf. I mean, the next question is something that I'm sure, you know, countless employers have done. Maybe it's they don't have sophisticated HR, they didn't know any better, but can an employer just simply terminate an employee because they need accommodation? They don't want to do it. They're trying to get out the door quick. Absolutely. Oh, my God. That, that is probably the 
most uh, egregious way to violate someone's human rights. Uh, and you cannot fire someone for needing accommodation. You cannot fire someone for wanting accommodation. You cannot fire someone for demanding accommodation. You have this fundamental right to be accommodated, you know, whether it's a medical condition or something else. And if your employer lets you go because they don't want to deal with that, that's a human rights violation. It's a reprisal. It, it's probably one of the most illegal things that an employer can do. So no, you always should understand and know that you have the right to ask for accommodation, to ask for help. You cannot be punished in any way, shape, or form. Because of that, you have this dome of protection around you. So please don't ever worry about that. The law is always going to support and protect you in that situation. Well, let's fast forward then to just past that point where either the person has been let go by their employer or they feel that the, the employer has not done enough to accommodate them and they think they could still do more. What does that person do? Well, first of all, is ask the questions, the right questions from your employer. Get some some uh, some answers. Uh, what have you done? Have you tried this? Why can't you accommodate? Uh, you know, you probably know a bit about the workplace, right? You probably know about positions that are available and what the employer can do. So make suggestions. Yeah. What about you put me if you put me in this role, or what if you move Bob here and put me instead of Bob? You know, make those suggestions. Uh, but if you're still not getting cooperation from your employer, if it's still a, a situation where the company is not accommodating, not helping you out, well, then maybe then it's time for me to get involved. Oftentimes, by the way, all I need to do is to send a letter to the company with, a, I guess I should call it a gentle reminder mm -hmm. of their legal obligations. And you can see how quickly that works. It kind of greases the wheels and all of a sudden, yes, okay, no problem. We'll accommodate. Everything is fine. If still there's an issue, we can pursue a human rights matter, a human rights complaint. So there are things that you can hear, but don't be afraid to stand up for your rights, to ask the right questions and demand answers. Reaching out, by the way, I'll give it to you uh, several times. Always do throughout the show. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number again. One eight five five eight two one. 5,900, write that down. Keep it on your phone, on your phone as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is another free uh, anonymous and wonderful resource as well for all the stuff we talk about here on the show. And a lot of it's very in-depth and you'll learn a lot there as well. I want to move on to uh, deadlines for signing back severance offers, but wanted to bounce over to an email that, uh, that just flew in. That's from Henry. It says, hi guys, I received a few warnings over the last three years with respect to my performance. How many warnings does my employer have to provide me before they can let me go for cause? That's a great question from Henry. It's a question that I often get from both employees and employers. So, so let's break this down first by saying that, yes, if you are going to be let go for cause, which, of course, is the, is the worst penalty that an employer can impose, the employer is expected to have provided you previous warnings. It's very difficult for a company to say, well, first time you did something wrong, you're out of here. You could, they can only do that if you stole, if you hit someone, if you, you know, sexually assaulted someone. Sure, they can always let you go for cause in that situation. But if it's something else, they're expected to provide warnings. So the natural question is, well, how many warnings? One, two, 17. What is, how many warnings is it enough? Well, it's a question of what is it that you've done? Obviously, the more senior, serious conduct you have uh, or you, you're, you're guilty of, the less warnings are necessary. The more minor the conduct, the more warnings are necessary. So if you've been late uh, three minutes to work, yeah, you, they're going to need to be a bunch of warnings before the company can even consider a termination for cause. On the other hand, if you've been late two hours for work, well, that's a much more serious thing. 
the company is not going to need, you know, too many warnings. As a good rule of thumb, three warnings is, is kind of a, a number that I like to see before a company can terminate for cause. But sometimes you need more uh, and, and sometimes you need a lot more. Also depends over what period of time. The bottom line is what I want everyone to take uh, from this is that it's very difficult to terminate employment for cause. The employee would have had to do something nasty, something terrible before they're deserving of that punishment. And in most cases, when a company says, we're letting you go for cause, you did something wrong, that's not cause. That's actually a wrongful dismissal, even if you did do something wrong. Very difficult to terminate for cause, and even if you did something wrong, does not mean that that's cause. Uh, and if there isn't cause, you're entitled to your full severance, which could be tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, and by the way, we have pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to allow you to find out if, in fact, the company had just caused to let you go. So no need to worry or, or hesitate or wonder. Just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So let's dial it back eight years to uh, the main reason why we started doing this show, and that was severance and severance offers and people dealing with it and not getting the right advice. And I want to talk about the deadlines of that topic, the severance offer. How is a typical, in your experience, a typical severance offer structured? How's it look? Well, John, I, I've literally reviewed thousands and thousands of right. severance offers over the, I don't know, 18 or so years that I've been practicing law. So, uh, and what we want to talk about here is to help people understand, number one, what, what to look for in a severance package, but also, as you said, how to deal with these deadlines. Every severance package has a deadline. So we want to chat about that. So in terms of how a, a severance offer is structured, well, usually it's going to say we're letting you go. And then it's going to say, here's what we're going to pay you no matter what. Here's what you're going to get no matter what happens. And then there's going to be an offer. It's going to say, well, we're going to pay you this no matter what. But if you also sign off on the severance offer, we're going to also pay you this additional amount of money. So there's always that two part. We're going to pay you X no matter what, two weeks, six weeks, whatever it is. But if you sign, we're going to pay you this additional amount of money. And that's where people may feel the stress. Well, wait a second. They're offering me this additional amount of money, but I have to sign this by the deadline. And that's where people get into trouble, and really that's going to be the focus of what we're going to be talking about over the next few minutes. Dangling the old carrot in front of you. If you want to uh, reach out any time, by the way, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. So I take it that having a deadline in the severance offer can uh, stress people out, as we know. What happens when they uh, read that or get that that, that – uh, that deadline offer, at least the, the deadline, that's when the phone calls start, right? Well, think about it. You just lost your job. You're Obviously, that alone is extremely stressful, and you're thinking, holy cow, uh, I uh, I have to pay my bill still. Uh, I still have to uh, meet all my financial obligations, my mortgage, and I don't have a salary. And here's your employer offering you some money, but you have to sign this or else. My gosh, think about the stress that someone feels now. And, and yeah. there's a deadline. I can't afford not to get paid because if I don't get paid, how am I going to pay my mortgage? So that's what it's there for. It's a pressure tactic. And you're right. You know, Usually there's a deadline on Friday at 5. Uh, Friday morning or Thursday evening, I get calls. Lior, my, my package expires tomorrow. I need to speak to you right away. Well, let me say now what I say to all these individuals that call me. Don't worry about it. Your legal rights don't expire Friday at 5 or Monday at 5 or whatever the date is. It's meaningless. That deadline is meaningless. It's a pressure tactic. In fact, most people uh, have two years to pursue their legal rights. They don't expire at the deadline. 
And in most cases, people are offered a lot less than what they're owed. So that deadline, again, it's irrelevant. It's meaningless. It's a pressure tactic. Please don't fall for it. So how much time do employers, I mean, typically, generally give employees to sign back on that severance offer? Well, in most cases, you would see something like uh, a week so or, or five business days. If you're let go on a, on a Friday, most employers are going to ask for it to be signed by the, the following Friday. Uh, but again, whether it's you, you've been given that week or one day or 21 days, it does not matter. It's not on the employer's timeline. It's on your timeline. Okay, You'll sign it when you're good and ready uh, because you have two years and the law doesn't allow you to lose your severance just because you took five days or 10 days or 110 days. Okay, In fact, as I said, you have two years. So it's a pressure tactic. The, the much smarter thing by, by a mile is to get that advice, to, to make sure that the severance package is fair, that it's right, that it's accurate, because in most cases it's not. And once you sign off on it, it's too late. So we know it's a pressure tactic. We know what to do. Don't fall for it. Well, I mean, a lot of employers would probably know that as well. So why bother putting a deadline on there? It's just wasted ink, no? <laughs> well, uh, number one, believe it or not, uh, and this is true very much for, for severance packages, people assume that an employer may actually understand uh, or know what they have to pay an employee. Many employers don't. Many employers think, yeah, I only owe you a week per year of service. So I'm offering you more than that. Wow, I'm being generous. So I can ask for you to sign it by a certain date. So an employer may be a good employer and fair and want to treat the employee correctly, but may be unaware of their own obligations. I see that all the time. The other category of employers, of course, are those that, yeah, know very well what they have to pay the employee, but hope that the employee doesn't know, okay? That's a problem. Uh, and, and that's why they put that pressure tactic there so that they can encourage the employee to sign off. So yes, you're right, it is a wasted ink, but it's, it works surprisingly well. So I say that 90% of people are offered inadequate severance. But the other side of that is that 90% of those people are going to accept it Damn. because they don't know any better. So it's actually pretty good odds, if you think about it, for the employer to offer bad severance package because probably eight or nine out of, out of ten people will, will accept it and save the company a lot of money. So that's why we see that happening. But now if you're listening and you're uh, you know, hearing our show, you know better now, so you're not going to make that mistake, and hopefully you'll tell others not to make that mistake as well. What happens to you if you don't sign by the deadline? We'll tackle that after we get back from a break, so stick around for it. The number in the meantime, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as we always keep mentioning, use it. It's free, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. It's the Employment Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Employment Law Show, reaching out to uh, Lior and the team. It's uh, real simple. You probably have heard the number 100 times. I'll give you to 101. It's uh, 1-855-821-5900. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're talking about signing back uh, severance offers and the deadlines of that. So, okay, someone, uh, you know, the individual doesn't sign back by the deadline. They either forgot about it, ignored it, they were out partying. I don't know. They don't sign back by the deadline, Friday <laughs> at 5, for instance. What happens? Well, th th that's the key. 
nothing happens. Nothing at all happens. Uh, because as I said, your, your rights don't expire for two years. So they certainly don't expire Friday. So you have my permission and my blessing. I'm here on the radio saying it to ignore that severance offer. If you haven't had a chance to properly consider it, to digest it, to get advice, to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. If you haven't had a chance and the opportunity to do that, do that. Take your time on your time. You're not losing anything. And, and the way to look at it, John, I've given this example before. Uh, if I owe you $100 and I say, tell you what, John, I'm only going to pay you $25, but for me to pay you that $25, you have to sign this by Friday at 5 <laughs> You'd look at me like I was crazy, right? Like, what are you talking about, Lior? You owe me a hundred bucks. Pay me a hundred bucks. Well, that's how it works with severance. An employer may owe you twelve months' pay. They're offering you three, but only if you sign this by Friday. Well, no, you're not gonna worry about that. In fact, we're gonna make your employer pay the twelve months that they actually owe you, and that deadline is meaningless. Frankly, John, the only time that deadline would be relevant is if a company is offering you more severance. Than, they, what they, than what they should be, in which case you would want to accept it before they change their mind. I, I rarely, rarely, rarely have seen that happen. But even in those situations where uh, they are offering you more, it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to change if you take longer. They're not going to change their mind. So right. bottom line is that deadline is meaningless and nothing happens, absolutely nothing, if you ignore it and, and don't sign by that deadline. Maybe for uh, you know a variety of reasons, the employee or ex-employee at this point has not had a chance to call you and get some some legal advice. They could be intimidated. I mean, the whole thing from the get-go is intimidated, being let go and having a deadline and a severance offer and so on and so forth. Should they and can they simply ask for more time? Well, the reality is you don't need to. For the reasons that I said before, that deadline doesn't matter, so you don't need to ask for an extension. That said... Nothing wrong with being polite and courteous. I'm a, personally a big believer in that. So, yeah, tell your employer if you want to. You don't have to. But tell your employer, employer, I haven't had a chance to get advice, uh, so uh, I'm going to need a few more days to before I can uh, respond back to the severance offer. You can do that out of courtesy so that the company knows whether to expect something from you or not. But, again, it's only out of courtesy. There's no legal need. There's no practical need even to do that uh but you can do that and and if you do that's fine uh so that's up to you but the more important thing is take as long as you need to 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 get advice and without worrying about that deadline you may have lost your job and you need a couple of days just to clear your head uh you know you may need a couple of days to talk to your financial advisor to figure out how the next few months are going to look like uh then you you need to make an appointment to speak to me and if that takes beyond that deadline not a problem that deadline doesn't matter you want to ask for an extension as a courtesy, by all means, but whether you ask for it or not, you can ignore that deadline. Say we rewind, uh, what, about 45 minutes ago before now, someone has signed that severance offer before hearing this show, uh, you know, pressured by that uh, that deadline. Can they then do something about it? So once a week, sorry, once a day, every single week, I get uh, an email like that. Lior, I, uh, I, I just heard that I can get more severance or just someone told me that I should speak to you but I've already signed off on my severance offer. Can you help me? Right. And the answer almost always is no, I can't. Uh, so at least once a day, I have to tell someone, sorry, yes, you were owed another twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, but I can't help you because you, you signed off on it. You accepted less. So don't let that happen to you, please. I, I really, really don't like responding that way, and I, I it really... 
uh, you know, upsets me to no end to tell people, yeah, you, you, you walked away from your rights, you know, not knowing that that's what you were doing. Now, there's very few exceptions where you can still get out of it. Uh, in some situations, if the company demanded that you sign it back on the same day and you signed it back on the same day, yes, we may be able to get you out of it. Uh, if the company was threatening you, we're not going to let you take your personal belongings if you don't sign this. Or we're not going to pay you your vacation pay unless you sign this. If it's threats like that, then that's you know that's duress. We may then be able to, to get you out of it. So if you're not sure, by all means, please do reach out to me. But bottom line, and, and, and the general rule is, no, we cannot get someone out uh, of a severance offer once they've signed it. And you realizing that it was a terrible offer doesn't still get you out of it. Is there a is there a threshold for for signing under duress? I mean, what is real pressure, and then what is well, you know what? I really can't make a game of that because it wasn't real real duress. So for you to be able to get out of something because of duress, it has yeah. to be a threat of something illegal. Okay. Wow. So if the company simply says uh, uh, we're going to withhold your vacation pay, that's illegal. They're not allowed to withhold your, your vacation pay. So if you don't sign with, withhold your vacation pay, that's duress. If the company says, as I said before, you know, I know you have your uh, all your personal belongings at the office, but we're going to keep those, which, by the way, see, it's illegal. We're going to keep those unless you sign off. Again, that's duress because, wait a second, they're essentially threatening that they'll steal from me if I don't wow. return my, my belongings. So anything like that, I've, I've seen situations where an employer says, we're not going to pay you outstanding commissions uh, unless you sign off on this. Again, that type of pressure, that type of duress, is illegal and yes if you sign it on that basis you may still be able to get out of the the severance letter that you signed but i find those to be quite rare in most situations whatever the employer did is not going to be that outrageous and and that uh, uh obvious so because of that no don't don't be in that situation and there really isn't a need for it we've made it so easy to find out how much you're owed just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca we have a severance calculator tool right there. It's free. It's anonymous. It takes a few seconds only. So you really can find out exactly whether the offer is adequate or not. Uh, and, you know, you, a, lot of, a lot of us now have friends, family members that we know have lost their jobs. Tell them about it. Tell them to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca because it's very likely if you're, you have 10 friends that have lost your job, nine of them, nine of them are offered a lot less than what they're actually owed. So help them out by telling them to just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You know, it, it's amazing because you just mentioned that website, which is really robust, full of information. People hear this show. They've been listening to it for years. They're well-armed in their own head. They think, okay, I got a pretty good beat on this. I don't need Lior. I'm going to go ask for more severance on my own. Not a great idea. What are the chances of that working? Well, you know, it's it, it's a tough one, and I, I get that asked often. You know, can I just do it on my own? Well, right. the, the the practical reality is this: is that you, I don't want to deal with the company. I want to deal with the company's lawyer. Why? Because the company's lawyer and I have common language. We both know how much someone is owed. And when you're dealing with the company, you're going to be dealing with the company directly or someone on behalf of the company who may not know what you're owed. They may think you're, you're off to lunch asking for this amount. When I get involved, I get involved with the company's lawyer. I, I cut out the middleman and I can get this resolved very quickly. The other thing is when you ask for something on your own, company is going to assume that you're kind of being hopeful. You don't really know what you're owed. So why should we take you seriously? 
So in and in many cases when you're trying to negotiate on your own, you you may approach it incorrectly. You may ask for the wrong things and actually hurt your own negotiating position. So you know you can always try it, but as a practical matter, I've seen it very. I, I've seen very few times where that actually works. Better advice: Let me do what I do. It's not complicated. It's not long, and let me negotiate the severance so you can sign off on it, knowing that you got everything that you wrote. Well, you just lost your job. You've just been handed that piece of paper. What do you do? What are the steps? We'll tackle that finally after a short break here. So stick around for more information on the way that's going to be really handy throughout your working life, that is for sure. In the meantime, one 821 5900 the number, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the website, and the email is help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. It's the Employment Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Employment Law Show. We continue on here. Uh, Reaching out is simple. If you haven't uh, figured it out already, we've uh, given it a bunch of times. We'll continue to do so. 1-855-821-5900 would be the number anytime. The email address we use is help at employmentlawyer.ca. That website, by the way, employmentlawyer.ca, will give you links to our television show as well. That'll take you 30 minutes to watch and some good information as always on that particular uh, particular show. And finally, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the website built to provide you with having a, a lawyer at all times on your phone. Basically, tons of information in there. There is contact, even though it is anonymous. It is free. And wrapped up into pocket employment lawyer would be the seven pay calculator so yeah we've been talking about uh, deadlines and uh, signing back for severance offers basically you just lost your job right you got that piece of paper or piece of papers that explain your severance offer of course it has a deadline to sign it back which they want you to use you're shocked you're freaking out you're stressed what do you do well first thing you do is is go back home and and kind of you know catch your breath so to speak calm down and, and 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 you know don't do anything until you're able to think rationally because when people make mistakes is when they're thinking emotionally uh, when when things just happen they're they're shell shocked it's not a good idea to do really anything until that shell shock has expired so l- let's settle down a bit let's let's you know think about uh, the next steps and, and let's calm down before we do anything else now if it's, if something is unclear or if you have any uh, property and any, or anything like that with the, at the company, talk to the company about it. So if there's questions, ask the company. If you think something is owed to you, ask the company. If you want to make arrangements to, uh, to re- retrieve your company property or to return back to the company any property of theirs that you have, talk to the company, make those arrangements. So, so those types of arrangements have to be made. And then you do the simple thing. You, you grab your smartphone or your tablet or whatever it is that you, you prefer using, and you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And then you answer a few questions and you find out in seconds whether the offer that isn't that paperwork, whether that offer is good or if it's not good. Chances are it's not good and not, it's not even close, but at least you know. Okay, um, my severance letter says they're offering me six months pay. Let me answer the questions on pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Oh, wait a second. This says it should be 13 months pay. Okay, we got a problem. Well, then in that situation, you can reach out to me. You can do that directly from pocketemploymentlawyer.ca if you want, or you can call me, or you can call another employment lawyer if you don't like uh, the, the tone of my voice. That's okay. 
but at least you get that advice. At least you do something to enforce your rights. Uh, so, and, and once you've done that, you'll know what you're owed. You'll know how we go improving the severance package, and you can move on getting everything that the law says you should have. I want to get to a, a couple of emails here as we get down to the last few minutes, and that is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Fern, you're up. Fern says, I was promised a promotion last year. This year, I didn't get it. It was given to someone else, and I was let go. Is this discrimination? Well, it's interesting what uh, Fern is asking because for it to be discrimination, he would have had to either been let go or, or not have gotten the promotion because of what we call a prohibited ground. What does that mean? It means that he didn't get his promotion because of his age or because of his disability or his ethnicity. So if someone says, sorry, we're not giving you a promotion because you're already 65, so we think you're going to retire. No, 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 no. That's a human rights violation. That's illegal. You cannot be denied a promotion, and you certainly cannot be let go. On the other hand, if the company simply said, you know what, we think that uh, Bob works harder than Fern, that may not be nice or, or fair, but it's also not discrimination. Mm-hmm. There's no legal obligation on a company to give someone a promotion. What they cannot do is be discriminatory in how they decide to give promotions. So unless this is discrimination, for no, probably nothing wrong with, you know, legally wrong with not getting a promotion. But if you lost your job, as, as to, to go back to what we were saying just now, chances are, and I mean 90% plus uh, by way of chances, that whatever they've offered you is not good. It's probably not even close. So that now has to be the focus to make sure that you get what you are owed. So let's talk about it or go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Probably not much we can do about the fact that you didn't get a promotion, but we can definitely, definitely make sure that the severance that you're going to get is fair. Same kind of thing goes along the same lines, I guess, for for pay increases. They, they They don't have to give you a pay increase, and if the guy beside you has the exact same job in there at the same time, he gets a pay increase. That's not necessarily wrong either, right? It, it, it's wrong ethically and morally, right. but not really legally, no. An employer doesn't have to give everyone or, or to be fair really in that sense, but what they can't do is be discriminatory. So they, they can't yeah. do, which by the way I've seen say, well, we're going to end up paying the guys more than the girls. Uh, n- that's illegal, never going to work, never going to fly. But if someone is a better negotiator than someone else, well, okay, as long as it's not discrimination when it comes to pay increases, a company doesn't have to pay everyone the same. Miriam just chimed in an email. She obviously didn't get the last five minutes. She said, uh, guys, after I was let go, I signed my termination paperwork without speaking to you or a lawyer. Because I was very emotional and under a lot of stress, makes sense. I think my severance offer was not good. Is there anything I can do about it? And I said, once a day, John, I get a call or an email just yep. like that. So there you go, my, my, my quota today for the day. Uh, and the answer, unfortunately, from Miriam is no, you really cannot. Now, I understand that it's in a very emotional time and you're not in the best frame of mind. Of course, I've, th- I've said that myself. But despite that, you, you are still expected ultimately to be bound by what you've signed. So, Miriam, unless there was duress, unless they threatened you with something, you probably are not going to be able to get around this severance document, severance letter. Uh, and and it, it's an unfortunate situation. You know, you're you're only going to make that mistake once, I'm sure. The next time you'll know what to do. Uh, but no, it, it's not good news in that situation. I wish it was better, Miriam. But you, you have to uh, ultimately move on with this, given the fact that you signed off on that severance offer. And that's the way we'll uh, wrap it up for today. Appreciate all your uh, your emails and your uh 
you're contacting us as well. You want to do it now that we're done. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email you use. The phone number, toll free, 1-855-821-5900. And the website to use all the time, anytime. Spread it around. Let people know about it. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Absolutely free and anonymous. There's a wealth of information. There's even a section on disability law on that website as well because those two coexist quite often interfering with your workplace. So check that out. Uh, anonymous, don't have to leave your name. Don't uh, require who you are you can just shut down your browser and walk away or there is a contact button at the top right you can use that and reach out afterwards as well so we'll catch you next time employment law show right here global news radio the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto